I've spent the last few years working for one of the largest shockwave clinics in North America, and I've learned a thing or two about the power and untapped potential of regenerative medicine. But the march towards a future where sickness is healed from its root cause is challenged by the influence of big pharma and their deep pockets. So now we're forced to answer questions like, how do we get rid of joint pain, take back our performance in the bedroom, and heal diseases from the inside out without band-aid medications or negative side effects? This show will give you the answers. Follow along as I interview the world's top experts and doctors and how they transform their lives and their patients' lives using the newest advances in biotechnology. I'm your host, Austin James Wolf, and you're listening to Modern Biotech Radio. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Modern Biotech Radio. Today, uh, we have Dr. Amy Killen. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. So uh, people in my space know a lot about you, but uh, for any listener that hasn't heard of you yet, can you sort of give like a little uh, bio of you know, what you specialize in and what you do? Uh, yeah, I, I say I specialize in skin and sex. Uh, specifically, I do uh, regenerative, kind of regenerative and integrative therapies in combination to help with skin, hair, and sexual optimization. Uh, my background is actually emergency medicine, so I was an ER doctor for about 10 years, uh, oh, wow. and then about eight years ago, ended up transitioning over to learning more about longevity medicine and anti-aging medicine and, and all of the you know, stem cell medicine, and, and now have kind of, kind of tuned my niche into mostly skin and sexual function. Mm-hmm. And what, what made you uh, transfer out of being an ER doctor into what you do now? So I had uh, three of three. I had three kids in two years. So I had twins. I had another baby twenty months oh later, gosh. and my husband was out of state. So I was basically working full time in the ER in this very stressful job with all of these children. Right, <laughs> and right. I, I, what I saw in myself was that I was just becoming very unhealthy. You know, my diet, I, my stress levels were high. I was drinking a ton of soda. I wasn't exercising. You know, just all the things that, that people do when they're when they're overloaded. Right. At the same time, I started seeing that my patients who were coming into the ER, a lot of them, most of them, had chronic medical problems that we weren't solving. We were just kind of band-aiding and sending them out. Um, and I realized that if, you know, if I wanted to help those patients and also help myself, I needed to have, sort of learn some new things and some new tricks and it sort of develop a whole new toolbox for treating and preventing illness. That's, that's kind of what started it. Right. So you just said band-aid solutions. That's something we also, that's a term we use a lot around here. Um, can, you, yeah. can, you, can you just go into that just a little bit? Like, what do you mean by band-aid solutions? What does that, what does that actually mean? It's just basically quick fixes that will get rid of, you know, help the symptoms of whatever's going on for a short period of time, you know, enough to get them out of the emergency room, out of the doctor's office, you know, out of pain momentarily. It's, uh, it's basically things that you can do that are quick fixes, but they're not actually fixes. They're just, they're just kind of making things look better from the outside. It's kind of making the optics look better, but not actually right. fixing the underlying problem. Right. Okay. Got it. And so you wanted to, you know, start your own practice and help people actually fix the root of the problem rather than just, you know, slapping a bandaid on saying, all right, good luck. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So let me ask you this. What, what, what sort of, what's in your toolbox for actually helping people with the root cause of their problems? What, what, what's, what sort of tools do you use in your arsenal to help with this? Uh, we, do, yeah, we use all kinds of things. We do a lot of hormones, so a lot of bioidentical hormones. We do you know, lifestyle, um, looking at lifestyle, exercise, nutrition, stress management, things like that. And then I have also the stem cell and regenerative medicine toolbox, uh, which is going to include you know, stem cells and exosomes, PRP, as well as some of the, um, what I, sort of the light, the, the things that I call the energy treatments, like the, the shockwave therapy, the, the, right. the light therapy, the lasers, uh, all of that which are also regenerative as well. So it's basically a combination of all of these things and using those together to help really, you know, increase, uh, improve symptoms and uh, decrease problems in the future. Right, right. And um, 
we, we use the word regenerative medicine a lot, but just in case someone is listening in for the first time and they just heard regenerative medicine, what is regenerative medicine and how is it different from other types of medicine? So and everyone has a different, a different sort of definition of regenerative medicine. To me, regenerative medicine is using your own body to heal itself. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, by whatever mechanism that is. So that's, you know, maybe PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma. You know, you're tricking your body into thinking there was an injury, so it would heal itself. Stem cells, similar kind of mechanism, exosomes, things like that. But I even consider some of the things like chocolate therapy or, or laser therapy to be regenerative medicine right. because they're really creating either an injury or a microtrauma and tricking your body into healing itself. Right. Yeah. I would definitely consider shockwave therapy too. Um, can I ask you this? Uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, what's the difference between acoustic wave therapy and shockwave therapy? Um, can I just get your words on that? So my words on it are, yeah, it's very confusing because if you look at the literature, there's, it's described as there's right. acoustic wave therapy, there's pressure wave therapy, there's shockwave right. therapy, you know, and then there's trademark names of various sorts out right. there as well. Um, but, but really they're all, they're all similar modalities. It just depends on how you're using them. And there are different, different types of shockwave therapy. For instance, there's radial versus focused you know a focused beam one of them is more of a of a less focused beam so there's some intricacies like that but but it's all using high intensity sound waves to create micro trauma in whatever tissue to then increase blood flow and, and stem cell recruitment and things like that so i use the terms interchangeably but i usually just say shockwave therapy uh, because i think at this point if you look back at all the studies that's kind of the most common way it's described in the literature Right, right. Okay. Um, now I wanted to sort of shift gears. Uh, this is a question I was dying to ask you since the moment you brought it up. But you said sex and skin. How do you help people with sex using regenerative medicine? So I do. I, I use a combination of things. I use PRP. I use stem cells from the patient. I use exosomes, yeah. um, injections, you know, into the sexual organs for men and women. Um, I also use shockwave therapy, both for men and women. And, um, and in women, I also use different lasers and radiofrequency and, and things like that in combination, you know, with the integrative therapies like right. hormone balancing, et cetera. Okay. Let me ask you this. If there, was, if there was a guy and he came to you and he said, all right, look, things aren't as good as they used to be, but he's like, I will do whatever you say, whatever treatment you recommend. If, if you just had someone that, you know, paid you for everything you wanted to do, what would be the dream sort of process you take someone through from beginning to end to sort mm. of help them overcome that problem? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, the process would be a process. It wouldn't be a single right. treatment. It would be right. something yeah, that course. we would work on, you know, over maybe three months, six months, depending on kind of where they're starting from. So I would start with, you know, lifestyle management, making sure that they're doing all the things, exercising, eating clean, you know, meditation, stress management, et cetera get their testosterone where it needs to be, make sure all their other hormones are balanced. And then I would, I would do probably a, a one procedure where I was able to do injections with um, preferably stem cells, exosomes, and PRP. Mm-hmm. Those are kind yeah. of, I like to use all of them when I can, uh, yeah. but that usually requires some sedation and it's a little more expensive. So if not, then I would at least use exosomes and PRP, do injections into the penis. I would follow that immediately with shockwave therapy in the office. And then I would have them do a, um, a shockwave therapy a regimen at you know where they were coming in to do shockwave therapy um, or doing it at home potentially with newer devices uh, over the course of probably at least six weeks maybe more depending on the person um, and, and I would be continuing to work with them also on just you know again the lifestyle stuff and making sure that that's all tuned up and then we could add some peptides and other things on there as well right. if we needed to but that's my sort of starter package yeah no I love it that's great um, okay now this this is another question I like to ask a lot of people. How would you describe what exosomes are to a four-year-old? 
That's a okay, great maybe, question. Maybe a six-year-old. Maybe a yeah, six-year-old. Six okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I, maybe, I'm not sure a six-year-old would understand it, but basically right. what I tell people is that, that exosomes are like the action of, so you have a stem cell, which is pretty big, um, and it floats around, but when it wants to communicate with other cells, one thing it does is releases these little bitty bubbles. I call them these little messenger bubbles that yeah. have information from the parent stem cell, but those bubbles float around, and then they get taken up by other cells, and those bubbles end up changing how those other cells behave. So it's essentially a communication mechanism between stem cells and other cells that are just little bitty tiny information bubbles. Right, right. Okay. And let's say you got a stem cell in there and it's communicating with, you know, other cells around it uh, with these exosomes. How does it actually help someone improve their sexual performance? Uh, you know, if, if they get an exosome injection, what does that actually do? Uh, so what most of the research has been done is actually in stem cells themselves. There's some research with exosomes. There's some animal models now with, uh, for, like for erectile dysfunction with exosomes. But for the most part, it's, it's looking at actual stem cells. But what they, what they do is they, they increase the signals, the cells around them, telling them to do things like increase blood flow, increase uh, blood vessel formation, um, increase other stem cells uh, recruiting to the area, increase local nitric oxide, regenerate nerves. Um, so it's essentially a repair signal that the stem cells or probably the exosomes are sending out saying, hey, let's repair this tissue that is maybe not what it used to be. Um, and that's right. a whole bunch of different things, but that's kind of the combination that happens in the animal models and the human studies that we've seen. Right. Have you noticed any difference between using just PRP versus using PRP uh, and stem cells and exosomes? Yeah, I, I definitely think that adding either exosomes or stem cells or both to, is, is more powerful than just PRP. Now, people always ask me, my patients, you know, well, what's like, tell me how much better because, you know, it's more expensive to do that, obviously. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, we don't know because no one has done studies that compares just PRP versus you know, just exosomes versus PRP with exosomes versus stem cells. Like it just hasn't been done. But in the sort of anecdotal experience uh, with my patients, I've definitely seen better results with either stem cells or exosomes in addition to PRP. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this can remain anonymous, but do you have any patient success stories with using exosomes? Um, I have a lot of patients who just basically will call me up later and say that, that, you know, things have, that things have gotten better, like that they're, right. that their their erections are harder, that they're stronger, that they're less refractory, down, the refractory period is shorter, um, that things are more sensitive, things like that. I've been using exosomes for about three years. Most of my patients, probably 70% of them, I'm using stem cells also, because we're yeah. usually doing these kind of big procedures in my practice. So right. most of my experiences are with both. And I definitely have some amazing stories where I use both. Um, but the patients that I just use stems are just use exosomes. There aren't as many of those, but I certainly have, you know, just general, right. uh, improved sexual health uh, stories. Right. The phone calls, you know, Hey, you know, had sex with my wife for the first time in years, you know? Yeah. 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 Those are always good. They're, yeah. Um, it's so funny. I, I have patients that I'm like, you know, I'll be talking to them. I'll call them to follow up and, you know, and I'm talking to them. I'm asking questions. They're like going on and on about their sex lives and their, you know, yep. their orgasms and their, all these things. And I'll find out that they're like in the middle of the airport or something. And I'm oh. like, you, you could have called me back. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like yell at us at the airport, but people are excited, which is what's so fun about this, um, this field of medicine is men and women, uh, you know, when they see improvements, they, they're super excited to talk about it. That's really funny. You say that. Um, when I was first tasked with following up the patients, the first one that gave me like a 20 minute story was also about to hop on a plane. 
That's, that's really funny you say that, huh? Huh. Interesting. Definitely, definitely. Air, I've gotten some air, some, definitely some yeah. airline, airplane. A lot of airlines, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, let me ask you this. In, in your personal opinion, why isn't every doctor doing this? Uh, oh, there's a lot of, probably a lot of reasons for that. I think that it takes a long time for something to become standard of care in, in mm. traditional medicine. So mm. even though, you know, shockwave therapy has been around for what, 10 years and there long are time. over 40 studies on it that are all positive and there's no significant side effects or risks or problems. And still the urology, you know, or your groups out there continue to say, you know, we need more information. We need more information. Um, so, you know, and I think that I understand there's not like big double blind placebo, you know, trials out there um, on any of this stuff. Right. But there's enough, there's enough small groups of information to know that these are at least safe. And you know, how effective they are is going to depend on the person. But I think it's just I think that people are scared to try new things. And it just takes a long time for the standard of care to change. Um, some of these things are also expensive. Some of these therapies yeah. are, you know, and, and insurance is not paying for them right. yet. So that comes out of pocket. And so people become concerned when they have to pay for something out of pocket. They, they worry that it's, you know, that it's uh, that someone's just trying to make money off of them. Yeah. What, what made you decide to start doing shockwave therapy at your clinic? Um, I've been doing it again for about three years. I, I started that, uh, after just learning that there were people out there that were having really good successes with it. So right. I started, you know, reading about it. I read all the studies. I started, uh, diving into that. My, my whole goal with patients is to give them as many tools as, as I can, because no, no one thing is going to help everyone. Right. Um, right. And for most things, whether that's for skin or for sex or for hair restoration or whatever it is, you're really going to want to put several tools together to get the best outcome. So that's, that's my whole goal is putting things together that are safe, that can, can be additive to each other. Right. That makes sense. So you literally just saw success stories. You read the clinical data. I mean, it's the clinical data. I mean, you can't really lie with clinical data. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some Groups can skew data, but I mean, you can't really lie with the data. So you saw it and you're like, okay, yeah. it's safe. It works. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. And there's so many studies out there on shockwave right. therapy. Like it's, it's at this point, I feel like, it, you know, you can not do it because you don't want to have to deal with it or because it's, right. you know, you don't have patients. It, 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 it takes too much of your staff's time or whatever, but I don't feel like there's any other really good reason from a medical standpoint, not to be offering this to, to men and women actually, right. but mostly men is what's been studied. Right. For sure. Um, I wanted to ask this, what do you do for hair? So I use the same kind of modalities, which is why I like to which is why I sort of do skin and sex. I use stem yeah. cell exosomes. I use PRP um, injections or microneedling for hair. And, um, and then I use uh, like red light therapy as well, which is the low level light therapy, which um, is something else that I use, you know, for women's sexual um, health right. also. So a lot of the same types of regenerative tools. And I have a lot of patients who will come in and get like just multiple procedures at one time because we can get the stem cells once, get the exosomes once, inject them in all different parts of the body, and then, you know, and then send them on their way. And it's a, you know, two hour procedure and then they're, they're all set for a little while. Right. Okay. Um, I'm sort of, I'm going to ask the same question. Let's say you have a guy and you know, he's starting to go, he's starting to, you know, thin out and he comes to you and he says, all right, I will do anything you say. What, what would you have him do? 
So I would first start looking again, looking at from it from men, 96% of hair loss is, you know, androgenic alopecia. It's almost always right. male pattern baldness, but I would still want to look at things like, are you taking testosterone? Because obviously that's going to increase potentially uh, the hair loss rate because of, because of DHT formation, right. you know, what else are you doing? But essentially, but you know, it, and I would get them on something like a, like a Propecia or Finasteride unless they just didn't want to take it, which some people don't, but that's great for decreasing DHT production. Um, and then I would do some of the regenerative injections. Again, PRP and exosomes are great together, uh, plus or minus stem cells, or even amniotic product can be good for hair as well. Um, yeah. And then I would send them home with microneedling or a dermal stamper, which has like little yeah. needles that you can just stamp on your head um, to use with either uh, peptides. There's a couple different peptides I like for hair, um, or there's some other... Um, stem cell culture media products out there that I also have been experimenting with that I like for home. Um, in addition to like the DHT blocking shampoos and some of the other over-the-counter products and supplements and things that, that they'd want to use at home. And red light therapy caps, the laser, like the, like the you know, laser right. cap or any other brands out there that are going to give their uh, increased uh, mitochondrial ATP production for the hair follicle cells. Right. Oh man, this is, one, this is all exciting stuff. I love all this. Okay. So, so there's one, you know, I've been studying, you know, up on exosomes a lot. And, um, but one thing, one part of my knowledge that's I need to study more on is peptides. Can you sort of explain to me what peptides are and what they can do for someone? So peptides are just small proteins. So it's just basically a short piece of a protein. And the way that they are used, it depends on the problem. You can use them for various things for musculoskeletal pain to try to improve healing or to increase hair growth or sexual improve sexual function but it's basically just the again kind of the action arm of the protein um, that binds into the receptor so these peptides have are being put out by different companies um, yeah. to just do something very specific uh, and act on a very specific receptor now peptides are not regulated uh, by the FDA uh, right. the same way that drugs are although some people argue that they should be because they are right kind of a drug. Um, right. So that's, that's, that it's, it's difficult because there are more and more peptides coming out and, you know, some of them don't have a ton of safety data behind them. So you kind of have to be careful. Um, I don't use a ton of peptides, but I do use, I do use some topical ones for hair. Uh, and I've had, you know, experimented with some other ones for healing as well, but it's not my, it's not my forte, but I have started to add them into my practice a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. That makes sense. Um, what do you think the future of peptides or what do you think the future of regenerative medicine looks like? Do you think one day all doctors are going to be using regenerative medicine? Is it, is it something that's going to become mainstream or is it something that, you know, is always going to be niche? What do you think? Um, I think that the, as, as we're able to make more allogeneic products, so, you know, there's two different types of stem cell products. There's the kind that, come, you know, your stem cells being used on you, which is autologous, auto meaning yourself. And then there's allogeneic, which is someone else's stem cells being right. used. Like, like an umbilical cord or, yeah, right. Exactly. Like umbilical cord products. So I think that because, you know, obviously there are tons and tons of companies out there developing these allogeneic products for various things. I think as, as we get more of those products available, uh, which are FDA regulated and they go through all the trials and this and that, then we will be, I think that it'll be widespread, you know, use, use of these regenerative products. I think that until then it's a little bit of a, uh, a niche market because there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of ambiguity on the FDA yeah. standpoint. There's kind of some hate out there for people <laughs> right, who yeah. themselves. Um, the right. media has decided that stem cells are bad. So there's a lot of education I think that's required uh, for it to become more widespread, but I hope it does. I think it could, and it could be really fabulous. If there was one big domino that could be pushed down that would like 
launch, you know, the regenerative medicine cycle and make it happen a lot faster? What would that, what would that one thing be? Oh gosh. Um, you know, the, I think just making it a little bit easier to get some of these products to market and the FDA has, has made it easier in the last few years to go to, to run through the rigmarole of trials on some of these products. Um, but there's, it's still not super easy and still costs millions and millions of dollars to get these products out there. You know, at this point, I would just like it for the FDA to say, it's okay to use your own stem cell, you know, my stem cells on me, uh, which is the fact that that's sort of not allowed is a little bit crazy to me because it's my body. So some things like that are pretty low hurdles that I would think that we could get overcome, but, but we haven't been able to yet. Right, right. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, I'm going to shift gears and ask a little bit more about you, if that's okay. Of um, okay. If you could do only one type of treatment the rest of your career, only one type of treatment, what would it be? Like, now, I know this kind of goes against, it goes against integrative care. It goes completely this against integrative yeah. care, which is right. Mm -hmm. You know, very important. But if you could only do one, what would it be? Uh, um, I think I would probably do the regenerative injections as my one treatment. If right. I, I mean, I really like doing combinations, so it's that's hard for right. me to say. Because it's, yeah. But yes, I think I would do like the regenerative, you know, stem cell injections um, for again for men, for women, for skin, whatever. But regenerative stem cells, exosomes, PRP at this point. Right now, if you could only give yourself one treatment, what would it be? Um, the same. I, I okay. love exosomes yeah. for myself. It's, I, you know, I have them in my office and I, I bust them out all the time and do various yep. things with them. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I would do that. I'm kind of weird. I kept uh, one of the vials. Um, it's just in my car. I just, you know, like looking at it, you know, it's, it's cool. It's I'm like, Oh wow. This is, this is like the future of medicine right here. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, it's I'm really, cool. The it's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Who's one of your heroes? Um, I, um, my, I have a grandmother who's 99 years old, who's Aww. about to be 100 here in a few weeks. And yeah. whenever anyone asks me this question, I always think about her because she was the person, you know, as we were growing up, like she had a treadmill back like before anyone even knew what a treadmill was. Oh, you know, wow. She did her own gardening. She grew her own food. She did stained glass. Like she's super artistic, did stained glass and played bridge. Like she's, just very, she's, she's just a super healthy um, person who's lived for forever. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that she's a really great role model to, to me and my, my family and other people who are, who are trying to figure out how to, you know, how to be healthy and how to, how to live a long time that way. Right. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love she's that. Cute. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, if you were if you were to write a book, what would it be about? Um, I've 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 started writing books several times. Really? But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I've started get, I've started a few. <laughs> yeah, I always get sidetracked. But it's, it's basically yep. it's basically be about some of these modern sort of. Uh, emerging therapies for for sex for sexual health using you know the things we can do to improve the the physical aspect of health. I'm not an expert in the um, the mental, emotional, spiritual right. that side of it. That's not me. I'm not a sex therapist or anything like that. But but the physical part uh, I really think is interesting, and and I like talking about it, and I like uh, the way people respond when they realize there actually are some options out there that are different than you know pharmaceuticals or things like that. So right. that's what my book will be about if I ever write it. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> so when are you writing it? I know. I should be doing it right now. During, now that I'm quarantined, I might as well just yeah. get it. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, if, what do you think the future of exosomes are going to be? Like, what, what's, what's one thing that really excites you about the future of exosomes? 
Uh, there's so much with exosomes that I think is going to be able to, you know, that they're already doing, but are, I think will become more widespread. Um, even right now with the, with the COVID-19 virus, there's, there's some work being done with exosomes and using yeah. exosomes to uh, potentially uh, improve the ARDS, the, the respiratory failure, you know, right. lung inflammation part of it. And they're starting to use those on patients with COVID-19. And I think that that's a great idea because we know that some cells and exosomes are, they're immunomodulatory. They're going to help modulate how your immune system is acting. And, um, right. you know, to me, this seems like a perfect, perfect chance to use some of these therapies that have been um, kind of scoffed at a little bit by traditional medicine. Like, let's get them in right. there and, and help save some people during this epidemic. Um, so, yeah. but I think that we'll use them for all kinds of things, but I'd love to see them being used more like right now in hospitals. Right. For sure. Absolutely. I know that there was, um, there was one surgeon who recommends his patients doing exosomes before and after he cuts them open and mm -hmm. he's seen no scarring, no scarring after, um, you know, after, you know, the patient heals up with exosomes. It's crazy. It's, yeah. It's doing amazing yeah. stuff. So the, yeah, the work with scarring and wound healing, I think is, it's fabulous. I mean, I would recommend to anyone who's going out and getting a surgery. I mean, obviously, hopefully no one is right now, but if you have to, then really then treating the, that those wounds with exosomes as soon as you can afterwards and doing some repeat treatments, those, you know, that we've seen in wound healing literature that both stem cells and exosomes could be excellent for healing wounds. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, now we're going to jump into our behind-the-scenes q and I'm going to ask some very, very, very interesting questions. It's going to get really fun. Um, you can, guys, if you're listening to this right now, uh, the behind-the-scenes Q&A is not public, uh, but you can find it at modernbiotechradio.com, modernbiotechradio.com. Just go in, type your email, and uh, I'll send you all these behind-the-scenes interviews. It's completely free. Uh, but we're about to jump uh, into the behind-the-scenes Q&A. Before we do that, Dr. Amy Killen, where can other people learn more about you? So just on my website, dramykillen.com is probably the easiest way. I have several websites, but that's the easiest one. And then I can direct you from there, kind of depending on what you're looking for and questions you have. I also am very active on Instagram at Dr. Amy B. Killen. Uh, so find me there. I like to post wacky, sometimes ridiculous um, things, but sometimes I try to do some educational stuff as well <laughs> on there. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So dramykillen.com, we're going to put this in the show notes. And then an Instagram that's at Dr. Amy B. Killen. Dot com, uh, not dot com, yeah. just at Dr. Yeah. Amy. Cool, <laughs> yes, sweet. Exactly. Dr. Amy, yeah, that's awesome. right. All right. Well, thanks for hopping on the show, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you. This has been fun. Want to see what the top experts have to say behind the scenes? Just go to modernbiotechradio.com and you'll get instant access to every behind the scenes interview for free. Now, these interviews are not for the public, so please don't share. But if you'd like to pull back the curtain with me, and learn what secrets they reveal, just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to these interviews for free. Again, that's modernbiotechradio.com. If you'd like to learn the best kept secrets that they can't share publicly, but allowed me to share in private, just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to all of these interviews completely free. I'll see you there.